0: Welcome to the City Reach Baptist podcast. If you would like more information about the life of our church, please go to our website at cityreach.com.au or like us on Facebook. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, open up your Bibles to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19. We today are concluding our series Resolved where we're looking at how we can make resolutions and really change this year. And what I've been sharing with you over the last four weeks has been this model that I came up with as I thought about how God changes us and how He grows us. Because when you become a believer in Jesus, you then begin this process of change where God is seeking to progressively change you to become more like Jesus. And we saw in our first week that in order to change, it. It comes about as a working of God's Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes, and through the Word of God, He shows us where we need to change. But then we saw in the second week that we need to respond in faith. As the Spirit can work, but unless you respond in faith, nothing will happen. And this last week, Pastor Graham showed us that we need to supply discipline. We need to discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness. And I said, all the time, we need to do this in community. It's in community where we hear the voice of the Spirit speaking to us through the Word. It's in community where our faith is grown. It's in community where we are kept accountable and we are disciplined spiritually. And so today I want to look at this whole subject of our community, of what it means to be a church and what should be at the focus of our community. And I was thinking today that what is community? What is the church? Well, I was thinking the church is really this web of relationships, This web of relationships where we know other people and we are known by other people. And then as I was preparing this message, this question came to mind. What should be the focus of our relationships? What should be right at the center of our relationships? So my relationship with you and your relationship with me, what should be at the center of it? What should be the focus of why I'm relating to you and why you're relating to me? Just think for a second about the relationships that you have with other people in this church. What is the focus of that relationship? What is the goal of that relationship? What is central to that relationship? Well, fortunately, the writer of the Hebrews, I think he answers this question for us. Look down in your Bibles in verse 19. Now, the book of Hebrews was written by an unnamed author to a group of Christians who attempted to go back to the law, who attempted to go back to Judaism because of persecution. And so all the way throughout the book of Hebrews, the writer to the the Hebrews is, is showing them the excellencies of Jesus and the new covenant. But then in verse 19, you see the word, therefore, starts our sentence. And he's going to start to apply stuff. He says, therefore, brothers... The word brothers in Greek is the word adalphos. Probably should be translated brothers and sisters. It's a a family word. It's a way of addressing the family. You know, we tend to use the word brother nowadays colloquially. Like I'll walk down the street and I'll see a stranger and I'll say, hey brother, how you going? Trying to look cool, I'm not really, but anyway. You know, you can use that, that phrase, colloquially brother, like that. But in the first century, they didn't use that word that way. You didn't address someone as brother who wasn't part of your physical family. But the Christians, they adopted this word adelphos because they really thought of the church as being a family, as being the family of God. Therefore, brothers, since we have, the word we have indicates the present tense. This is something that is our possession right at the moment. Since we have confidence, the word confidence according to the dictionary means the feeling or belief that you can do something. So if you have confidence, it means you have this feeling or belief that you can do something. This past week, the pastoral staff, we went down to Victor Harbor and we spent a couple of days just retreating, just praying, worshiping, Uh, seeking spiritual renewal for ourselves and for our church. Pastor Jeff led us in an excellent study on spiritual warfare, reminding us of the war that we're in. But on Tuesday afternoon, because it was a bit hot, we went down the beach. We went down to Horseshoe Bay and we had a bit of a swim and we played a game of cricket on the beach. And if you've ever been to Horseshoe Bay, there's also this jetty that kids jump off. And some of our pastors, I won't name who they were, But some of our pastors were so bold as they climbed up on the jetty and they jumped off the jetty. Now, I looked at it and I thought, man, that does look like fun. But I had no confidence that I would have the courage to jump. So I didn't actually even climb up on the jetty because I didn't want them to pay me out when I wimped out and wouldn't jump. Because I didn't have this feeling or belief that I would be able to do it, that I'd be able to follow through. I didn't have the boldness that I'd be able to do it. Well, notice here, the writer of Hebrews says, as part of the family of God, we have this confidence, this boldness to do something. What is it that we have this boldness or confidence to do? Look down in verse 19 or 18, 19. We have this confidence to enter the holy place. Now, this this phrase, holy place, is a reference to the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, God commanded the Israelites to set up a tabernacle, a place where He would meet and be present among His people. And the tabernacle had a number of different parts to it. It had an outer court, but it had this inner tent of meeting. And in the inner tent of meeting, there was a holy place, and then there was the most holy place, or the holy of holies. And in the holy of holies, that's where God would manifest His presence among His people. And God's people were only allowed to come once a year into the Holy of Holies. And it was only the high priest who could go. And he went in after he offered a sacrifice for his own sin. But then he would bring in this blood sacrifice and he would sprinkle the blood over the mercy seat that was on the Ark of the Covenant. And the lesson was clear that for a God who is holy to have fellowship with, with an unholy sinful people, there needs to be atonement. Sin needs to be dealt with. You can't just waltz into the holy presence of God. Your sin must be atoned for. Well, notice what the author is saying. He's saying, as the family of God, we have boldness to enter into the holy place. We can come into the very presence of God. Why? Why? He says, by the blood of Jesus. Now, many pastors nowadays, they're trying to get rid of these phrases of all this talk about the blood of Jesus because, you know, it sounds very archaic speaking about and gory speaking about the blood of Jesus. Though, you know, often now in our songs and and in popular messages by popular pastors, they preach a lot about Jesus giving his life for us. But I think if we move away from this concept of blood, then we move away of something very powerful about the gospel. It says that without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission for sin. And it was actually by Jesus' blood set, shed on the cross that you have forgiveness of sins, that atonement is made for your sins. So that as he says in verse 20, a new and living way is opened up for us. It's a new way, we no longer come through the old covenant system, we come through Jesus and it's a living way because Jesus just isn't dead, he's alive, he's our great high priest. We come through a new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. You know, The high priest would have to pass through this curtain to go into the holy of holies. And the writer of Hebrews here is saying that that curtain that we pass through in order to get into God's presence is actually the body of Jesus broken for us. So can you see what the author of Hebrews is trying to do to the people who he's pastoring? He's trying to build up their confidence in the work of the gospel, in the work of Christ. That because of the work of Christ, You can now enter in to the holy place. You can enter in to a relationship with God. So what should be the focus of our relationships? I think there should be this one focus of our relationships. The focus of our relationships should be to build up one another's confidence in the gospel. Now, you might say to me, Timon, is that really true? Should that be the focus of our relationships? I know, I know, Timon, that you're a very type A personality. You're a very goal-driven sort of person. Shouldn't we just, you know, just want our relationships to just like organically develop and, and don't even worry about having an agenda to our relationships? Shouldn't we just relate and just relate organically? Why have this focus to our relationships? Well, I'll say to you, the reason why we need a focus to our relationships is because of our sinfulness, our relationships will tend to devolve into selfishness. You see, every single one of us, we were created in the image of God, so we desire relationship. And yet, because of our sinfulness, we don't want to pay the cost that relationships demand. You see, what I want, and, and maybe you, you would admit to this as well, what you want is what we want is we want low-cost relationships, with high payout. Low-cost relationships with high payout. The only problem with this, my friends, is that the deeper your relationship, the more that it costs. Think about the relationships that you have that are the deepest relationships in your life. I would suggest to you, the reason that they are deep is because you've had to pay a price for those relationships. You know, I think about my marriage to Tegan. You know, it has been the most costly relationship that I have. It's cost me forgiveness. It's cost me money. It's cost me time. It's cost me energy. It's cost her a lot too, probably more than it's cost me. It's her birthday today, by the way, and I forgot. Like, so, so, so it's costly to be married to me. Deep relationships will actually cost. And also, every relationship will have some sort of focus point. They can't help but have this focus point, this thing in common. C.S. Lewis once said that if you're looking for friends... If you just look for friends, you'll probably never find them. What you need to do is you need to journey with someone. And as you walk down the path or the journey, you will find that you get friends, you pick up friends along the way. He says it's like this. He says, with friends, what happens is you'll be looking at something and you'll be focused on something. And then you'll turn and you'll see someone and you'll say to them, Oh, you see that as well. You see what I see. Because because relationships need this focus point. They need this common thing. And the thing that we have in common the most here is Jesus. And so the focus of our relationships should be Jesus, to build one another up and our confidence in His work, in the gospel. Now, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but it certainly happened to me. I've been down the beach and I'll put my towel on the beach and then I'll go in for a swim. And when I go in for a swim, because, you know, there's often a drag at the beach, I will will think that I'm standing still, but I'll be dragged down the beach. And then all of a sudden, I'll look up and I'll realize that I've, I've come a fair way from where I entered into the water. You know, that might have happened in your relationships in this church, that you entered into relationships in this church with a focus on Jesus, but now your relationships are just all about having fun. You know, I'm into having fun. Having fun is good. I hope we have a lot of fun in our relationships. But the focus of our relationships needs to be something deeper. It needs to be ins- to inspire and encourage one another to have confidence in the gospel. Now, why is this so significant? Come with me here, because this is super significant that we make this the focus of our relationships. Why is this so significant? Well, you'll notice in verse 18, he says, we have this confidence to enter into the holy place by the blood of Jesus. And then in verse 22, he draws an application. Since we have this confidence to enter into the holy place by the blood of Jesus, verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Since we have this confidence to come into the presence of God by Jesus, let us draw near to God with a true heart see, what does God require from us if we are going to draw near to him? What he requires from us is he requires authenticity. He requires that we take off the mask, the religious mask, and we reveal what's really going on in our lives. We reveal our sins and our weaknesses and our struggles. And this is why it is so significant that the focus of our relationships be to build each other up in our confidence in the gospel because it's only when you're confident in the gospel that your acceptance is on the basis of Jesus that you will be willing to take off the mask and show others who you really are. And when we do that, when we take off the mask, when we show others who we really are, it gives God the opportunity to come in with His cleansing, And transforming grace, notice in verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. You know, some people here today, you did some things this week and they they are weighing heavy on your conscience. For others of you, you use the instruments of your body as instruments of unrighteousness. Well, let me tell you, you will only receive cleansing and washing when you get real and you bring those things out into the light. But what will give you the confidence to do that? What will give you the confidence to do that is that Christ's blood covers those things. And since his blood covers those things, you can uncover those things. You know, in most churches that I've been in and in most small groups that I've been in, People only share 95% of what's really going on. They share up to a point that's safe, and then they don't share the last 5%. But it's often that last 5%, what's going on behind closed doors, what's going on in their hearts, which is what God wants to transform. You know, last year, our small group got together, our small group guys, we got together because I'm sick of fake community. I'm sick of it. I want real, authentic community, not fake religious community. I want real. I want something that's real. And last year, our guys in our small group got together and we started to keep each other accountable. And we started to go around and share some stuff that was going on in our lives. And one of the guys in our group, he shared 100%. He was bold, confident in the gospel. He shared what was really going on in his life. He went deep. And because he went deep, everyone else went deep. The next guy started to share and he said, I I was going to just share something safe, but since you shared, now let me tell you what's really going on in my life and what you can pray for me about. See, the devil does his best work when we hide in the darkness but when we walk in the light can you finish this phrase as he is in the light we have fellowship with who one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin the fellowship in this church will go deep deep as we take off these masks and reveal what's really going on in our lives what are the real struggles What are the real sins that we're struggling with? What are our real weaknesses? Revival happens. Renewal happens in a church when people get real. When I first came here in 2010, I started preaching messages like this one. 2011, Pastor Jeremy became our youth pastor. In 2012, Pastor Andrew became our worship pastor. And in 2012, they took, we only had about 25 to 30 young adults. They took a young adults away on a camp. And after dinner one night, they went out on a beach and had an hour-long prayer meeting. And God visited them. The Holy Spirit came. And people got real. They took off the religious masks and shared what was really going on, the sins that were in their life. And I believe that that was the start of this beautiful, refreshing flow of God's Spirit in our church and in our young adult ministry, where we saw this change happen in 2012, 13, 14, 15. And I think that's what really birthed the City Reach movement. It's certainly what birthed City Reach West. See, if you're coming to our church for the first time, I want you to know something about our church. I'm not here to play religious games, I'm not into religion. I'm not into covering up or trying to prove to you how how righteous I am in myself. What I am into is I'm into the gospel. That's what we're about here. I have to tell you that I need the gospel every day of my life. I battle and so do you. And I need Jesus every day of my life. Do you see why this is so significant that we make this the focus of our relationships? Not religion, not religion, but building up one another's confidence in Jesus, in the gospel. That's the focus of our relationships because the dynamic in the church will be one of authenticity. The church should be the place where there is the most authenticity. Sadly, I think the place where there is the most authenticity is in Alcoholics Anonymous. But I think the church should be the place where people, because our sin is covered by the work of Jesus, I can say, this is who I really am. And you'll accept me and I'll love you as well, because we're loved in Jesus as brothers and sisters. Our righteousness doesn't come from our works. It comes from the work of Jesus on our behalf. Is that the type of community that you want? Do you want that type of community? Want that real community? Real community? Well, practically, how do we get that type of community? Well, he tells us some things. He tells us some things to do. Look at verse 23. He says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. We need to hold fast to the gospel. Let's not get trapped in legalism. Let's not go back to legalism. That's what the the Hebrews were were tempted to go back to legalism. Let's hold fast to our confession that Jesus is Lord and Jesus is Savior. But verse 24, there's some practical things that we need to do. Verse 24, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. The word consider is a, a verb of perception. You need to apply some thinking. So this morning, as I was praying for this message and thinking, how do I apply this? I was thinking about the people in my life. How do I build up Jason? How am I gonna help Jason grow in love and good deeds? Jeff, how am I gonna build up Jeff? Jeff is a pastor and part of my role as a senior pastor is to, is to build up the pastoral team. How am I gonna promote and stir Jeff up to love and good deeds? And, and, and so it takes thinking because Different Christians need different things. Some Christians need words of affirmation and encouragement and upbuilding. Others need stirring up. And when I think of that word, do you know what I think of? I think of on the farm, our cattle prod, all right? We used to have this, this electric tickler, my dad used to call it. It was this cattle prod. And uh, Harold, you'd appreciate this. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so it gave like a little like electric shock. And if the you know sometimes in the crush when you, a crush is like this thing where you put the cows in. Anyway, the cows some cows would be really stubborn and they wouldn't move at all. And so you get out the electric tickler and you give them a bit of a, a bit of a bit of a tickle, and they would start running. It was amazing. They would be stirred up. They'd be stirred up. And uh, you know my brother used to love chasing me with the electric tickler around. <laughs> And I would run, you know, because you didn't want it. You didn't want to get 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 done by the electric tickler. Do you know, sometimes we do need some stirring up. Two weeks ago, um, Lawson Hannaford, our pastor at the Marion Church, he came to me and he said to me, "Timon, I've been praying about something. I want to talk to you about something." I said, "Okay." He said, "Timon," he said, "something needs to change." He said, you're always late to your appointments, and you're getting a bit of a reputation for being tardy. And after I asked him what tardy is, um, <laughs> he, then, he then said, "And Timon, I'm for you. I'm for you, and you need to change. And so we prayed together, and I received that from him. Now, that was tough to deal with in the moment but I'm so glad that my brother loved me enough to stir me up to love and good deeds. And sometimes we need those words of correction and rebuke. But notice what he also says in verse 25, and let's not neglect to meet together, as is the habit of some. You can get in a habit of being away from Christian community, rather than in the habit of getting together with Christian community. And it is a bit of a habit, and it is a bit of a discipline to come to church, to come to real-life group, to be involved with other people. It is a bit of a habit. It will take discipline. And let's encourage one another, he says, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And that day right there is the day of Christ's return. I don't know what you see in our culture, but I see our culture moving further and further and further into sin and wickedness. And who knows when Jesus is coming back? But while it gets dark out there, in here there should be this dynamic of encouragement and authenticity where we sometimes rebuke, but we also build up so that we'll become like Jesus. So as I was praying this week, that's the message that I just wanted to share with you. Is what is the focus of your relationships going to be this year? I think it's so easy for our relationships to fall into just being about fun. And what our relationships need to be about is about spiritual friendship where we're provoking one another and encouraging one another in the gospel. So we have this beautiful dynamic of spiritual transformation happening, this authenticity happening in our church. You know, maybe the the Lord is speaking to you today. Maybe there's something in your life that He wants to change. Let he who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying the church if you continue in darkness you won't see transformation you need to bring it out into the light and you can and no one here will judge you because we're all only accepted by the work of Jesus so I want to encourage you this is the end of our series and I want to encourage you if you're gonna change it takes bold steps it takes, as the Apostle Paul said, forgetting what lies behind and pressing on to which lies ahead. And so we're going to sing one more time about the work of Christ. And maybe what you need to do is you need to come out the front and you need to kneel and you need to some prayer for some of the things that are happening in your life. Remember, if you keep hidden the last 5%, you will never change. Let me pray. Oh, Father, as we come to you now, and we've read your word together, we want this community to be this transforming type of gospel-shaped community where our focus is Jesus, and building up one another's confidence in the gospel. So that in our relationships, we will get off, we'll take off the mask and we'll be real with one another. Father, would you build that type of dynamic and that type of community here? Father, I pray for this in your powerful name. You're speaking probably to some people this morning. And they know that there is some things in their heart that they need to deal with. Lord, I pray that you would give them the confidence to bring it out in the light, in full assurance of faith, that Jesus' blood is sufficient to set them free and transform them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. We praise you.